Hey Church of the Beloved, my name is Kevin Zoe and I'm the production manager here at COTV. Just wanted to say a quick thanks for tuning in to our weekly sermon podcast. Today's message is brought to us by our interim senior pastor, Abe Lee. He's preaching from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. So back in 2012, uh, I was asked to set up for our church in San Francisco that my wife and I used to attend, set up our church as a host site for something called the Global Leadership Summit, or GLS. And if you're not familiar with it, this is a summit, it's an international conference that provided an opportunity for Christian leaders to learn from leaders of other areas like business, tech, faith, etc. During that conference, uh, one speaker impacted me in a way that actually changed my life. He introduced me to something that I think he called uh, radical discipline. I, radical discipline. I think it was called, it might have been extreme discipline, something like that. But either way, I, was, I realized something when I was listening to this speaker that is that I was called to live a life of extreme devotion to God. But I wasn't. I wasn't living that life. And so, see, if I truly believe that the gospel message of Christ's redemptive act on the cross was meant to change me, was meant to change me for the sake of my wife, for the sake of my uh, church family, for the sake of our community, if I believed that, then I needed to let it change me. And I had to introduce a radical discipline into my life to use my time better, to, to grow in my faithfulness. So I made a decision then that has impacted and I've carried out for the last 10 years. I wake up every single morning at 5 a.m. and I spend time exercising my spirit and exercising my body. Now, it doesn't matter whether I'm on vacation, whether I've been working in another country, or I've gone to bed at 3 a.m. because I was doom scrolling YouTube meme videos. It doesn't matter. I wake up at 5 a.m. every single day to work out my study scripture, and to work out, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, though, sometimes my workouts are like 10 minutes of me running in place or something like that. But regardless, I wake up every morning at 5 a.m. We started this sermon series uh, last week that Jonah, thank you for titling it. He, kind of, he called it The Generous Life, which I love. And this series is intended for us to show our beloved family what stewardship from a gospel perspective really is. Because it's not just about managing money or finances. It's about being like the stewards of Gondor. And if you're not familiar with that reference, listen to last week's message. But I want to recap. The main thing about last week is that we are all called to be stewards. We are all made in the image of God to faithfully manage the things of God, which includes everything. And we do it until the king returns. And we live as faithful stewards of God's everything by being alert, by being ready, by watching, by being driven by our passion for God, our passion for the promise that he's made to each and every one of us, to see us, the beloved, through the lens of his son. And I mentioned last week that over the next three weeks, including today, we're going to dissect into more detail what it looks like to steward time, to steward talents or our abilities, and to steward our treasures well. And this week, we get to unpack time and what it looks like. And I want to be abundantly clear. Just like everything else, time is God's. God created time. God creates time. God controls time. God provides time. And time is something that we are called to manage well, to steward faithfully while we have it. In, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, it says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of your time. And, and in today's passage, which 
Brian so wonderfully read. Thank you very much, Brian. Brian, by the way, if you're interested, if you have a desire to, if you feel like you can read well, um, please reach out to Kevin or Eugenia or just email info at cotv.life. We really want to provide every opportunity for our family, our beloved family, to have opportunities to bless and serve each other. And the reading of Scripture is a great way to do that. But back to today's Scripture, as Brian read, it says there, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. See, we're all stewards made in the image of God. We're called to faithfully steward time. And how we steward time, this is based on passion, our passion, which we mentioned last week. So faithful, steward, faithful stewardship of time should be shaped by our passion for God and our passion to know God more. I remember a friend of mine once told me, maybe it wasn't a friend. Anyway, somebody once told me that I should never use the phrase, I don't have time, or I'm too busy. Because as this person explained to me, when you care enough, you do have time. Or you make the time, right? So it's not that you don't have time. It's that you're not important enough to me for me to shift my priorities around and give you that time. I know it's a pretty generic statement. It doesn't take into the, uh, the consideration and account the nuances of life, of work, of family. But it's kind of true. When I had surgery on my spine, Suzette didn't come to me and say, you know, I love you, honey, but I don't have time to take care of you. No, she told her colleagues that she was, was not going to be available for a period because she wanted to be there for me because I am her priority, right? Where is she? I am, thank you. I am her priority still. I'll tell you, this is a little tangent. Super Bowl Sunday reminded me of this. So speaking of time and priorities, uh, I grew up in Chicago, uh, and I have this memory of the Chicago Bears, this, and the Bears in the 80s. And football fans know that back in the day, in uh, like 85 and even part of 86, the Bears, they played good football, right? I don't watch football anymore because I don't have time. But as I understand it, the Bears are not so good anymore, so I probably didn't lose anything in stopping to watch. I don't know. Are they good? They're not in the Super Bowl, so it doesn't even matter. But back in the day, there were basically three types of football fans in my dad's church, right? First group, I call them the disappeared. Basically, people who disappeared during the football season. You, you knew what their priority was. They just didn't bother coming to church at all. And this was, you know, all before on-demand streaming was a thing. And, you know, we could have bought, they could have bought, like, VHS tapes and recorded it. But, you know, recording the game and watching it afterwards just wasn't the same thing. And I have to say, as I was preparing for this, I'm so grateful for shows like Stranger Things and Archive 81 and other things on Netflix because now everyone knows what a VCR is. Um, and I don't have to explain it anymore. So I'm really glad for that. But you had the disappeared. And then you had what I call the in body only or the IBOs. And these folks would come to church. They would be that church, but not really be there. Right? They, they would rush home simple, as soon as you said the last amen or sometimes during the last song because, you know, who needs to be there? Um, or, or they had earbuds, uh, like one earbud and transistor radios. Back in the day, you had transistor AM radios, and you would listen to the game during the sermon. The IBOs were kind of conflicted. They just didn't know what their priorities were. Um, but then you had the dual devoted. That's the term I'm giving them. Because these were individuals who were fully present, who were fully engaged with the preaching of the gospel, with the fellowship, with the joy, the worship. But as soon as things started to die down, they would immediately go into the sound booth, the AV booth. Uh, someone had brought in a 
portable TV. And back then, a portable TV, the screen was about the size, uh, half the size of an iPhone mini, but then the box was like this huge around it. And with these folks, there were like 10 of them, and they would gather on this tiny little thing in this tiny little room, and they would watch the game. And so this, these dual devoted would end up being at church for hours more beyond service because they made time for both because they wanted to make God their priority, but they also had to prioritize the bears. So this, that was what I saw growing up as a kid. See, we're all stewards of time, right? God made us in his image to be stewards called to faithfully steward things like time, to faithfully prioritize the things that are important to God. So if we turn to today's passage, I want to look at how today's passage shows us how to do that, to faithfully steward time. And the first thing that today's passage shows us about faithfully stewarding time is this. It's something that we do. It is not something that's done to us. See, Paul starts off by saying, look carefully how you walk. The Christian life is not supposed to be passive. The Christian life is absolutely intentional. It is unequivocally active. I don't think it's going to be a surprise for anyone to learn that in 2020, because of the pandemic, jeans, slacks, pants, the sales for those went down. But sweatpants went way up through the roof. Some of those boutique firms, some saw sales of 500 to 1,000 percent higher than before. Pandemic inertia had set in for most, if not all of us, and sweatpants are the uniform of the dormant, Right? And so the, today, now, the thought of taking the time to wake up, take a shower, brush your teeth, put on pants, go outside, it still frightens some people. Because being passive is, honestly, being passive is easy. Moving from the couch to, to anywhere, it just, it takes effort. It takes energy. So I will say this, for those of you today meeting here, worshiping together with us in person, thank you so much. I appreciate that for some of you, it was a struggle. It was a, thank you for putting on pants, for actively engaging in the struggle, because I understand the struggle's real. I want to thank you for being here so that we can together come to know what it means to walk carefully. And for those of you who are joining us online, I am, I am not trying to throw shade at you at all. I promise this is not my intent um, I fully acknowledge that I do not know your story or your situation. There may be very, very real reasons why you have to join us online. That's awesome. For thank you for joining us and taking the time to also learn what it means to carefully walk as well. Because when he writes, look carefully then how you walk, or, or in other words, consider how you live and make good choices, Paul is explaining to his Christian sisters and his Christian brothers that living our lives as the beloved of God, that walking side by side with the faithful, it requires moving. It requires us moving forward. And it requires us moving forward with care. So what does it mean to, to look carefully? I mean, I, and this is what I believe. I believe that to be able to look carefully, one has to know what you're looking for, Right? And as Christians, we better understand what it is we are called to look carefully for by doing a few things. The first that we are called to do is to meditate on the Word of God. And, and by meditate, I do not mean emptying your minds. By meditate, I mean filling your minds with the thoughts of our Father through, through contemplation, through reflection, reflecting on the glory and the grace of God and His love for His beloved. Step one meditate. Psalm chapter 1, it says this, blessed is the one who walks in the counsel, 
not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord and on God's law. They meditate day and night. You see, moving forward with care, it requires us to meditate on Scripture, to ponder it so we know what it is to be careful about. It also requires us to pray. There's example after example. Some Jesus modeled it over and over again throughout Scripture of what we are to do with prayer. It requires us to plan. Jesus laid out a plan, even his example in the very beginning. Go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He made a plan. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, it says, Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. It also requires us to act, to move. This call for us to move, to move forward with care, it is it's not limited to our souls only. It's not only our spiritual side. It applies to the physical as well. Living as a Christian is not only a mental thing. It's also a mental thing. It's also a spiritual thing. It's also a physical thing. It's also a, a time thing. See, faithfully stewarding time, it starts with moving, moving forward with care. And we move forward with care by doing this, by prioritizing our time with God through meditation or pondering the word of God. We do this by praying to God, by planning with God, and by pursuing only God. Let's continue on with this passage. It says, Looking, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. In verse 17, it actually says, it describes carefully walking as understanding God's will instead of being foolish. In verse 18, it says to be filled with the Holy Spirit instead of being drunk with wine. In other words, the faithful stewarding of God's time means seeking God's wisdom. And, and the faithful stewarding of God's wisdom or seeking God's wisdom is by understanding God's will and by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 to 19 I want to read that to you. Paul describes this wisdom that he's telling us to seek out. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of the, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might. See, God's wisdom is not limited to this, but it absolutely includes a knowledge of the hope for his beloved. See, verse 18 says that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Hope for those who know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Hope for the beloved of God and the knowledge that Jesus, <coughs> who absolutely knew no sin, took on the sins of his beloved. He became sin so that we might take on his righteousness. It's hope for the adopted children of God. In the promise that one day, one day, we're going to go home. We're going home to be with our good, good God's wisdom is not limited to this, 
but it absolutely includes an understanding of what his beloved are going to inherit as well. The second half of verse 18 says this, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? See, these riches, we don't earn them. It's not by merit. These riches are an inheritance given to his beloved children, the beloved children of God, the adopted family because of Christ. And the promised inheritance that we are given, the glorious riches that we're promised, they include an eternity of bliss where there's going to be no more tears, no more pain, no more trauma, no more drama. God's wisdom is not limited to this, but it absolutely includes access for God's beloved to God's power to his might, to his sanctuary. Verse 19 says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might? The wisdom that the faithful steward of God, God's time seeks out, the wisdom that the faithful steward of God's time receives, it includes hope, it includes an inheritance, and it includes God's power. Continuing with the passage today, it says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The days are evil. Paul, if you read through this letter, uses this literary device, juxtaposing concepts. Basically, uh, Paul says this is the opposite of that kind of pattern in his letter. Right? So wise versus unwise. Know God's will versus being foolish. So if Paul uses this versus that type of pattern, it's probably a good idea to see if we can find the counterpoint to evil, the opposite, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And as you read through the passage, the antithesis of evil in, in this letter, it's not good. It's not good versus evil, right? The opposite of evil is the promised wisdom that we just talked about. Combating the evil of this world, it requires an understanding of God's will, his wisdom. The days are evil. So mount up with a wisdom, with an understanding of God's will. That's the opposite of evil. If we unpack this phrase, the days are evil, if you look at Galatians chapter 1, it says this, that Paul wrote that Jesus gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this evil age. In uh, Colossians chapter 1, Paul wrote that, the, that God the Father delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Don't be conformed to this world, this evil place, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good. What is acceptable, what is perfect. You and I, we're called to combat the evil that permeates this age with an understanding of, with an adherence to, and a discernment of the will and the wisdom of God. Like I said, good is not the opposite of evil here. The opposite of evil is wisdom. And this wisdom, which includes hope, which includes inheritance, this wisdom includes power. This heavenly wisdom is the opposite of evil. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 to 14, Paul says it a little bit differently. He says this, uh, For we 
we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Now you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. I'm going to stop there. At the center of this passage, at the center of it all, the fight against this present darkness, this evil, is truth. The truth of God's will, of God's wisdom. A truth that is good, that is perfect, that is acceptable. A belt that holds everything together. To be faithful stewards of God's time, we are hopefully striving to move forward with care. Right? And this means that we prioritize how we use our time by meditating, pondering the word of God, by praying, by planning, by pursuing God alone so that we can gain the wisdom of God. And all this leads us to what Paul means when he says that we need to make the best use of the time. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, I have to say, language is fascinating, um, especially Greek. Uh, I, I don't know what it says about Greek culture or American culture, uh, its priorities and stuff, but if you take the word love, right, in English, you combine it with another adverb, and you can modify it, you can clarify what you mean by the word love. But in Greek, Greek goes a whole other way. They, they create different words to express different kinds of love, like eros. Eros is an erotic sexual love. You got philia for a love between friends that trans, uh, transcends erotic, the erotic. But then you've got agape. You know, that, that love was, uh, agape was initially intended to describe the love between family, family members, but as Christians used it, it became, uh, came to refer to the unconditional self-sacrificing love of God through his son, Jesus Christ, agape. Time is another one of the words in Greek. Because in English, we have one word. We got time. But the Greeks use two different words. Kronos, kairos. Or chiron, which is the plural of kairos. But chronos, which is the root word of chronograph or chronological, chronos refers to the measured or counted time. Chronos is a sequential passage of quantifiable, measurable units. Basically, chronos is a clock. But the other one, Kairos, it is a much more subjective, much more qualitative term. Kairos doesn't measure seconds or minutes. Kairos measures moments. Kairos is experiences, seasons, opportunities. And that's the one that's used in this passage. Paul's instruction to the family of God is to make the best use of our kairon, the plural of kairos. Paul is telling us that faithful stewardship of our time is to seize every moment is to grab every opportunity. It's, it's not the tick-tock of the clock that we're called to pay attention to. We are called to be alert and to be watchful so that we can recognize opportunities. We can recognize seasons, moments, chiron, to do good. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, it says this. So then, as we have opportunity or chiron, as we have chiron, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. See, making the best use of our time, especially during these evil days, it is to do good whenever we have a chance to do good. 
of my favorite passages, Micah chapter 6, verse 8, it has this excellent example of what it looks like to do good. It's because God's shown us what's good already is to act justly and to love mercy. By the way, the original word in the Hebrew where it says love mercy is chesed. And chesed has so much meaning behind it. But I just want to mention it. It's a sermon for another day. But, but God's shown us what is good. It's to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. I'll tell you, I've shared a lot of different things today. And I admit, I was, it's a little all over the place. It's just a lot in this little passage. I want to summarize for those of you who are just waking up or just starting to pay attention. Uh, maybe you're taking notes, whatever. The first thing I, that I want to point out is that we are called to be faithful stewards of God's everything, including time, right? The second is to be faithful stewards of God's times. We move physically, spiritually, mentally. We move with care. We move forward with care. The third thing to consider is that we move with care, uh, seeking God's will and seeking God's wisdom. And we can do this, seek God's will and wisdom by pondering on his word, praying, planning, pursuing him alone. The last thing, when we do these things, we can recognize and we can seize every chiron, every opportunity that comes our way to do good. That is being a faithful steward of God's time. I need, to, I need to wrap up because we are running out of time. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to dive too much deeper into the details of the remainder of this passage today. If you get a chance to, I would encourage you. But let me mention that the rest of this passage, verses 17 to 21, it lays out how we can seize every chiron, every moment. Verse 17, Paul explains that we need to seek God's will to do that. And you do that by drawing nearer to God. Verse 18, Paul explains that we shouldn't get drunk. And he doesn't say we can't drink. I enjoy my glass of wine. But he's taught, he wants the reader to understand that we cannot let our mind be so out of control that we're not able to recognize the opportunities that God's presenting to do good. Verse 19 tells us we need to do this journey, journey on this path together, and we do it together with worship. Verse 20 tells us to journey this path together thanking God because we trust God. But before we end today, what I want to do is this. I want to share a few practical tips I've learned over the years um, that might help uh, figure out how best to faithfully steward your time, your chiron, your opportunities, your moments, your seasons. I don't know. We're all in different seasons, everyone here, right? Some of you who are joining us today, you're still in school. Uh, talking last week, some of the first-year med students who still have a gleam in their eyes and hope in their hearts and our second-year med students who've lost all of that, um, to those who are med, uh, waiting for your match. For those of you who are waiting for your match, other, there are some who are leaving as a result of it. It's okay. Others, we're just hoping you're staying in Chicago. Uh, maybe you're here on temporary assignment, just based in Chicago for a moment, or maybe you've moved here, and this is your community. This is where you're staying. Regardless, I want to I encourage you. Take advantage. Take advantage of this Chiron, this time, this moment, because to faithfully steward that Chiron for our king, who's coming back one day, is going to review how you did. These are just things that have helped me, and I'll, I'll be very honest with you. They don't work for Suzette, for my wife, because we are so different. Um, but I'm going to share them anyway, just in case it helps anybody here. And one of the first things that I do uh, is I just make a plan for my day. I don't plan out too much, to tell you the truth, just, just enough. Uh, if God took the time to plan out the, you know, the whole six days to create the world and the universe and the seven to take a break, I can make a plan to figure out how I'm going to write my sermon, right? 
But just don't let your plans rule your life. Don't be so strict, so legalistic with the plans that you don't allow God to speak into the moments as he's presenting to you. The chirons of your life to do good. The, the way I see it, I make plans to give the Holy Spirit something to work with, and then I let them go. Right? The second one that I think uh, I've, that's been personally beneficial is don't give in. Look, we need to rely on God, absolutely. We need, he's left behind the Holy Spirit, the helper, to enable us, to help us to travel through this life. But we're also called to be diligent and to be disciplined in our lives. So as you make your plans, do your best to stick with them. My, my radical discipline to wake up every morning at 5, though recently it's been more like 4, 4.30, which is really annoying. Uh, I think my body's still traumatized from daylight savings, which should not be a thing. But my plan, that first year, it did not go well at all. I think it took me a year uh, of struggling through, like finding the right alarm clock that would not wake Suzette up, which is a hard thing to do because uh, it's an ungodly hour, and not making, making sure that I didn't let my lack of sleep make me into a bitter, angry man. I, what I did is I took the lesson of the, of the widow and the judge. And in, the, in that parable, is the, this widow kept coming to the, a judge asking for justice, and in her persistence, the judge finally heard her. In your discipline, in your persistence, God will see, and God will transform, and God will draw you nearer to him. I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and make their way up on the stage. I want to share one last practical piece of advice as, uh, as they come up. Something that's helped me and has been the most helpful for me, which is don't do it alone. Do it together. Identify a core group of people that will keep you accountable as you struggle to be faithful stewards of every chiron, every chronos as well. See, I have so many stories that I can share of instances where I've been encouraged and where I've tried to encourage my sisters and my brothers to use their time well, to seize every opportunity. But we've run out of time. We're called to be faithful stewards about every chiron, every moment, every season. And that means that in this time, in this season, in this moment, we must seize every opportunity to do good, to act justly, to love steadfastly, to be, to be a part of this community of believers, to engage with the beloved of God. Because ultimately, we exist as a church to see the gospel transform people into spirit-filled disciples who know that they are the beloved of God because of Christ alone. Thank you for tuning in to this week's COTB Sermon Podcast. For more info or to connect with us, you can visit our website at cotb.life. God bless and have a great week.